Hello, everyone. I am so sorry about the delay in the start. Uh, my name is Luke Thomas. This is the Promotional Law Practice live chat, and uh, this is uh, August 5th, 2015, which is my birthday. Today is my birthday. I am 36 years old. I don't look a day over 70. I age like a Nogero brother. Um, I suppose there's worse things in the world, but it's all true. So again, sorry for the delay. Um, lots to get to on today's chat. There is, let me adjust this microphone. There is, of course, Ronda Rousey mania sweeping the country. There was UFC 190 results. There is, for reasons that remain unclear, yet another UFC event this weekend. There's also a glory event on uh, Friday night. So a lot to get to, as always. Best place to do that, of course, is on MMAfighting.com. There is, this window here is embedded in a post there, um, and I usually check the questions there. You can also get at me on Twitter, at SBN Luke Thomas. Please be sure to give this video a thumbs up. There we are. And uh, if you're watching either live or whenever you're seeing this, doesn't matter if it's live or it's later, just share the video. Share the video, share the post, whatever. Just make sure folks get get word of it. I would appreciate that on Twitter and Facebook and any other place you can, um, you know, foresee having an impact as you share this content. Okay. Um, so like I said, lot to get to, lot to do. Let's do this. Uh, oh, and you're asking about today's drink. Well, this might be the first time in a long time. I actually don't have a diet drink. I don't think my wife bought this and didn't drink it. So it's Zico watermelon, raspberry flavored premium coconut water. I bet it is filthy. Let's see. She drank all the Coke Zero in the house. Edible. It's like, uh, it's like, it's like, uh, what would that be like? I don't know. It's like if someone tried to make a mixed drink out of Robitussin or something. All right. Let's kick this off. We're so late. I'll try to get to as many of these as possible as a consequence. I appreciate everyone showing up. Let's do the damn thing, shall we? I got two computers up because I'm just that kind of guy. All right. So first question. Here we go. Oh, and there's the more Pahara stuff as well. Lots to get to. Jesus, there's a ton of questions in the queue. All right, I'm going to fire through these as quick as I can. Uh, Luke, let's start with Ronda Rousey. What shock, right? But something that I think is kind of insane and good for MMA as well is the amount of fans and popularity Ronda has and is getting. Five days before her fight, she had 2.9 million Instagram followers. The same day she was going to fight, she reached 3.5 million. And two days after the fight, she had 4 million followers. Like, I'm not an expert in Instagram numbers, but isn't that kind of insane? Remember, we are talking about an MMA fighter. And did you see the insane amount of tweets about her? Not just normal people, but celebs as well. I don't think people really realize how big this is for MMA. It's true, man. This Ronda Rousey phenomenon is, is without precedent in my career. You know, this is bigger than Brock Lesnar. Um, you know, I, I, she still has some work to do, I think, to commercially match what he was able to produce. But I just mean the, the reach that she has is totally without precedent. Never seen anything like it for an MMA fighter ever. Um, and, and not even Brock Lesnar. And, and, and that's saying quite a bit. Again, she needs to sell a few more pay-per-views at a high level. And then we can say, you know, she has matched a commercial appeal. But um, I, I think that's at this point a foregone conclusion. 
Uh, I talked about this on my Facebook page and other places as well. Like folks were, were trying to understand like why don't pay-per-views sell as well overseas uh, or at least, you know, outside of North America as they do here. And the reason being is it's just hard to get the right kind of media exposure, right? Like if you're in Brazil, you can't do all the, you can't do the ESPN car wash where you go through and you do a thousand other shows. You do Dan Levitard, you do sports center, you do whatever. You can't do that. You can't get, the media to typically to fly to that location, say if it's in Chicago or Las Vegas, it's just harder to, to generate the same kind of attention. Obviously there are exceptions to that. When I was at Mayweather Pacquiao, it was a global event, you know, right. Uh, I don't think Rousey has reached that level where those two guys get together, but you know, doing 5 million searches on her own for Google while Mayweather and Pacquiao together did 10 million is, is damned impressive. Um, and as I mentioned before, like if you're as big as Ronda Rousey being in Brazil, again, I don't think it's replicable at scale. I really don't. I don't think you could put now, you know, John Jones in Brazil and be like, well, it's no big concern about pay-per-view sales because look what Ronda Rousey did. Ronda Rousey seems to be an exceedingly special case. But to me, the, like the most crazy thing about it was like, did anyone see this coming? Anybody, anybody, you know, before the fight go, you know what? This is going to be a million pay-per-view by event. I don't know who it was, if 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 they exist. I didn't see anyone predict that. Certainly, I think everyone thought it'd be a commercial success. Um, you know, after her last fight, I think doing around six hundred thousand, give or take, we all thought, you know, she's she's good for a big buy rate. Um, but this just seemed, you know, what's funny was like traffic was good about it leading up to it, but some and and this always is the case. It's always the case that the Thursday, Friday, and then the Saturday. Uh, of a fight with a Thursday, Friday before a fight, it's always the case that momentum really builds then. So it's not like we weren't expecting the momentum to build late. But what I'm trying to say is the amount of momentum went from zero to to like not just 60, zero to 100 from like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It took everyone by surprise. The most dedicated observer, the guy who knows everything about MMA, everyone who watches it, no one saw this coming. And yet, kaboom, it hit. It was it was it was bananas. It was completely bananas. Um, I just don't know what else to say about it, except I'm going to sit back and enjoy the ride. It feels good to have people that the media want to talk about in MMA. It feels good to be part of the conversation again. You know, I know a lot of fans have this view, and I understand it. So sometimes I have it too, where, look, I don't mind watching Abu Bakar and Nurmagomedov on a World Series of Fighting and not be able to share that with people who just watch um, traditional sports. That, that, that can be yours. It can be mine. It can be our thing, and they don't have to worry about it. And that's cool. But, you know... It, it feels good to be noticed. It feels good to have them pay attention. It feels it feels appropriate that someone as special as Rousey or someone as special as McGregor and the things that they bring, you know, it's only right that they get this kind of attention, I feel like, right? It feels like when you have, even John Jones does great buy rates and people care about him and stuff. I still feel like a lot of people just don't, uh, haven't had a chance to, you know, appreciate what he brings um, and enjoy him on the terms that we enjoy him. Uh, there are some questions I have long-term about Rousey's popularity. I mean, look, everything right now is awesome. I'm not bagging on it, but you have to ask questions down the road about what it all might mean. When Rousey departs the game, if and when that happens, are they just going to go with her? You know, I think a lot of people are just going to leave after she leaves because that was my experience with Brock. After Brock left, there was just a, it was just a lot of attention. Now that, that, that coincided with the UFC schedule going to like these insane, you know, we're going to do almost 50 dates a year. Okay, well, you know, that's going to have a cost, but... You know, if she can leave a portion of her fan base behind to watch everyone else, that will be great. Um, I wonder if there's any real connectivity between her and what she can bring to Joanna and Jacek's cause. 
You know what I mean? Uh, people are talking about booking them on the same card. Yolanda Jacek, to me, you know, she doesn't have the most spellable name or, you know, she doesn't speak fluent English, but she's got everything a fight fan could want. The question is, is that what Rousey fans want? Rousey has her own set of fans that are just distinct from MMA there. And, and, and the reason should be obvious. She is um, a cultural phenomenon. She is, you know, pop culture, uh, not flotsam and jetsam, but she's sort of like a part of the general pop culture um, lingua franca, you know, the vocabulary. Um, she's a feminist icon. And I had some people challenge me on that saying, you know, is being mean to other women really feminist? Look, I'm not here to, I'm not a feminist scholar. I'm not really in a position to, to discuss the ins and outs of it, but I can tell you that um, our traffic is markedly different in terms of the gender gap when she competes. When she competes, she single-handedly closes the gender gap, almost at like a 50-50 rate. Like no other woman does that, period. Period. Like it's not even a question. To me, women essentially galvanizing around another woman that to me feels like a very feminist kind of thing a natural kind of thing in some ways uh of course but um you know having one person as this sort of um sporting ambassador i think is a very feminist kind of thing um and i think it's awesome like my sister didn't watch the fight but she was interested in about what was happening with rousey on my facebook page the day after i had like 200 new likes and it was only because, and I, and I looked at who all the new ones were. It was like ninety percent women, you know, which never happens. Uh, how many times has a, a male fighter ever joked that uh, you know, whenever they get recognized, it's always dudes in a in a, in a club who other like them, you know? And Rampage joked about it. Dos Santos has joked about it because um, it's mo it's just a heavily dominated male sport, you know. Um, and Rousey just seems to be at least temporarily able to shift those dynamics in such a major way. I've also never seen anyone get the kind of reach she had, you know, Rolling Stone, Wired, Fusion, obviously Deadspin, um, New York Times, and Kimball got New York Times, but he didn't get any of those other places, right? I mean, Wall Street Journal wrote about her, uh, 538 wrote about her. I've just never, ever, 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 ever seen an MMA fighter um, do that. Let me say a couple more things about Rousey real quickly and I'll move on to the rest of the questions. Number one, I think she is the heir um, to, to Floyd Mayweather, right? Um, this is not my idea. It's someone else's idea, but I think it's correct. When Mayweather goes out, who is the next biggest combat sports attraction? You can still say maybe Pacquiao for now, but that won't last. And even then, I think that's debatable at this point. Um. But when they go, and they're both going to go soon, is it Canelo? No. Is it GGG or Triple G? No. Is it um, John Jones? No. Cain Velasquez? No. So who is it? After after Mayweather leaves, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't see how you can argue it's anyone but Rousey. She will, if she hadn't already is, she will take his place as the top combat sports attraction. Still Mayweather, even with that terrible Berto fight that they're trying to shop to people in September. But um but Rousey's next. She's next in line. I don't think she's going to make Mayweather money anytime soon, despite her belief that she seems she will. But be that as it may, God damn, that's gross. Be that as it may, um, I think that's what's coming. One point I want to make about Rousey that I won't say it annoys me, but it bothers me a little bit. Look, she is every awesome, just let me, she's almost every awesome thing we say about her. She is amazing, a technical marvel, ahead of her time, 
as I mentioned before, a feminist icon, a sporting icon, right? Not just even for women, for men too, you know? If you're, if you're, if you're a male grappler who struggles on the mats every day and you go and watch her, dude, she is an inspiration, irrespective of gender. That's, that's, a, that's a fact, okay? Um, on top of that, she's a box office attraction. She's, she's so many things. She's like a GSP-level athlete, e- easily, easily on par athletically with him, um, you know, or, or that level of the game. Right, she's 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 all that and then some. But one thing that bothers me is I think we're so enamored with her. Understandably, we we're so um, so in all of the moment, you know. Understandably, but one thing that really bothered me that folks were saying was like, you know, she's the greatest combat athlete, or at least combat athlete for women alive. And I really have a hard time agreeing with that. I really have a hard time agreeing with that. I also don't agree she's the best pound for pound fighter. Um, strength of schedule matters, competition matters. And while she is tremendous, and even if you got her athletic peers, I still might pick Rousey to beat him. I think she just has a fighter's sensibility in the way that people like Sarah McMahon don't, you know, that's why she's a world-class athlete and couldn't hang with Rousey. But, you know, Betchkohea is someone as, as they pointed out in the, on the co-main event podcast, who got in the sport to lose weight. Like if, you know, Rousey has been competing at an international level for almost 20 years. It's just not even the same kind of thing at all. Not athletically, not, not, not resume wise, not nothing. You are just two different kinds of people. And until the rest of that division fills out. Um, and again, even if, even if it filled out, Rousey still may beat all those people. I'm not saying she couldn't I'd still favor her to beat um, just about anybody at this point, even other matriculating judokas or whoever. But here's my point. We are ascribing greatness to her in very fair ways. But there are women, badass women, who compete in non-spectator sports who I really feel like we are doing a disservice to. The fact that you or I or whoever doesn't pay attention to them because they compete in a sport where you can't sell tickets, that doesn't mean what they're doing is anything less. And sure, I think Rossi might be, you know, you can take issue with Cyborg or whatever, but certainly Rossi might be the best female fighter alive, if not ever. I wouldn't argue too much with that. But I guess what I would argue with is that she's the greatest combat athlete. Because to me, and I mentioned this before, I'm going to pull it up here. Um, Kaori Icho. Kaori Icho, and then you could talk about, you know, I mean, anybody who's won a judo gold medal or multiple judo gold medals. But Kaori Icho, let me just read her your resume, and you can laugh at this and say whatever you want about it. Um, she's a wrestler for Japan, okay? Uh, I'm trying to figure out her weight class here. I've forgotten it. Um, She's on a 153-match winning streak. I think that's better than Jordan Burroughs, right? Um, listen to this. Ready? This is her international resume. You are talking about a sport with a massive, even on the women's side, relative to women's MMA, a massive participatory rate, much more filled out. You're talking about things like the Olympics once every four years. Talk about the World Championship once a year. To have any kind of success at that level is very difficult to achieve. And to do it like this, 2004 Athens Games at 63 kilos, gold medal. 2008 Beijing Games, 63 kilos, gold medal. 2012 London Games, 63 kilos, gold medal. World Championships in 2002, 2003, 2005, 2006, 2007, 2010, 2011, 2013, 2014, Gold medal at the World Championships in 2014. She went down a weight class to 58 kilos, meaning she's won gold in two different weight divisions. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry. That is more impressive than beating Betch Kohea and Misha Tate twice. It just is. 
It just is. It's so much more difficult to do that. So much more difficult. You can say, well, MMA fans have this weird thing where they're like, well, fighting is more, more advanced than wrestling. Well, for fighting it is, but to succeed in that sport, which is very complicated and very hard to do, you were talking about the difficulty of tasks to do what she did three Olympic gold medals back to back to back and nine world championships. Oh, and an Asian games gold medal too. That is an insane level of dominance. So to me, the fact that you may not know who she is, I understand that. I'm not asking you to do a bunch of research, but let's slow the roll just a bit. Is Rousey amazing? Yes. Is she the most popular female athlete alive right now? Maybe. Does she deserve all the uh, money she gets paid? She deserves three times what she's already getting, I'm sure. Is she an incredible technician? Yes. Is she ahead of her time? Yes. Is she awesome for MMA? Yes. Should every MMA fan be grateful that she's here? Yes. Is she a feminist icon? Yes. Is she a sporting icon? Yes. Is she the greatest female athletic competitor for combat sports right now? I have a very hard time saying yes. I have a very hard time saying yes. This is just but one example. You want to talk about just fighting sports, boxing, and MMA, kickboxing? We can have a different conversation. But for combative athletics generally, sorry. And, and, and it makes me sound like I'm some dick for saying it, but all I'm trying to do is just bring it back to earth a little bit because there's so many positive things you can say about her. Her Juji Gatami game is nuts, man. It's nuts. It's both rehearsed and instinctual and athletic and quick. Like there's, I mean, I could go on forever about how many things about Ronda Rousey are awesome. All I want to do is just be fair to all the other women who compete in combat, combative athletics who do so when the sports don't sell tickets. Because if all you're doing is like looking this way at sports because these are the, this is the only purview where there's an audience, you're doing a disservice to some other women out there who are really doing incredible things. All right. You know, J-Check, Gedalia 2, greatest of weeks. Even though my question has nothing to do with Rousey, quick shout-outs to Deadspin's Greg Howard profile and Rousey and 538 statistical analysis, blah, 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 blah. After UFC 190, we can now look forward to a rematch between Gedalia and Ioana Jacek, which is one of the matches I am personally really excited for. Both fighters have shown improved improvement in the octagon after their first encounter, which was really tight. So on a gut feeling, which of them do you think taking the first – Jesus Christ, is this English – so on a gut feeling, which of them do you think taking the fight the second time? Or which one? You, or, or, um, I don't know, man. I, st- I might like Yanjacek's chances a little bit more this time. I thought the first time was really close. I think Yanjacek's takedown defense has massively improved. But, you know, Gedalia is kind of a beast, man. Like it was, it was important for us, I think, to see her compete again because Aguilar is no joke. Um, Gedalia is just a – she's just physically a presence in that cage, you know? The way she's able to boss people around, dude, those takedowns, like you get lifted with ease when she takes you down. She has fantastic back attacks, uh, strong jab punches. You know, as Joe Rogan pointed out correctly, she's kind of heavy on that front leg, so she was susceptible to the leg kick. But an athlete like that can make the kind of necessary adjustments, I think, to work around it. Plus, when you can vary your offense in the way that she can, she can strike you at distance. She can rough you up in the clinch. She can pressure you forward. She can take you down. She can take your back. She can pass. Dude, she's a nightmare. She's a nightmare. She's a total nightmare. But that takedown defense of, of Jacek, here's what I know. It's going to be competitive as hell. It's going to be an amazing fight. Um, I favor Jacek maybe, but Gedalia, dude, she can – I mean, I, on her best day, 
if your Jacek has even just a moment of not thinking correctly or uh, can't get it together, Gedalia will make her pay. I mean, it's tight. It's really, really tight. Fights announced recently. Who you got? Okay, well, I, I reserve the right to change my mind as time goes down. Uh, Gleason Tebow versus Abel Trujillo. Probably Gleason. Matt Brown versus Kelvin Gastelum. Man, what a good fight. Um, I don't know. Maybe Matt Brown. Maybe. Maybe. Sergio Pettis versus Chris Carriasso. I'll take Sergio, despite my some of my reservations about him. Julian Pena versus Jessica I. I'll take Pena. Alan Juban versus Albert Tumanov. I'll take Tumanov. Diego Sanchez versus Ricardo Lamas. I'll take Lamas. And then Joe Warren versus L.C. Davis. Really tough one. Um, Warren's had a bit of a resurgence, hasn't he? I'll take... Man, it's a tough one. I'll take Davis, but barely. Uh, if you had an option as a, to be an expert in martial combat arts analyst, if you could be an expert in only one of the following martial arts groups, would it be boxing? Number one, two, kickboxing, Muay Thai, or three, wrestling, BJJ. Three, uh, they just naturally appeal to me a little bit more, but, you know, any any kind of expertise in any of those would be hard to come by and valuable. Uh, which of the following martial arts groups would you choose as the best, most appropriate in the following unarmed situations? Jesus, this is too long. Let's go to some other ones. Uh, Demi and Maya versus Husamor Paharis for three rounds. Who you got, Demi and Maya? Demi and Maya has a level of... Uh, Holla Gracie one time said something very true about jujitsu at a high level. Um, you know, in MMA, what were we saying about Rousey versus Kohea ahead of time? You know, what, what were we saying? We were saying things like, um, you know, puncher's chance, right? Catches her with a punch, anything can happen. Hold on one second. Catches her with a punch, anything can happen, right? Um, you know, you zig when you're supposed to zag, you get cracked, it's lights out, right? Okay. Um, that sort of phenomenon is true, I think, for many sports. It's particularly true for MMA. It's true, true to a lesser extent with boxing. Um, in in MMA, these guys, excuse me, jujitsu, these guys don't lose for three rounds. And this is MMA jujitsu, but understanding that they them competing on the ground would be like 80% pure jiu-jitsu and then like 20% MMA mixed in just to, you know, make a pass work or, you know, make a mount work or, you know, hold mount or, or get someone to turn in a different way. So some of the dynamics would be different, but um, Paul Harris is simply not on the level, just not on the level. And he's excellent. Um, RJ Clifford, my co-host on the Sirius XM fight club was saying, you know, he might be MMA's best submission fighter. You know, and I, I think by that you mean, you know, someone who just typically tries to force submissions to win um, or, you know, looks for them or creates them or whatever. He, and that might be true. But Demi and Maya is just, you know, you're just not going to catch that guy by accident. It's not going to happen. It's just it's just so not going to happen. Um, okay. So this is, can you address Paul Harris? Uh, I, I did. Monday Morning Analyst. Monday Morning Analyst. A quick refresher about everything that happened. Look, here's what I'll say about Paharis. Check out the Monday Morning Analyst. Um, it's not showing up on the YouTube channel. I don't know why, but it's on uh, iTunes.com slash promotional malpractice or my SoundCloud channel. Um, both of those are available on my Twitter profile. 
the long and short of it is that when people were talking about, you know, did Pilhars hold it too long? Un- unmistakably, yes. Um, you know, is there something to be said for, you know, we, we cheerlead people who dive bomb somebody else after they get knocked out or keep punching an unconscious opponent? You know, ref might pull them off, but they're clearly done. If, if their body has surrendered and they're still going, you know. Um, yes, the referee might stop them, but, you know, what is really the difference in the end? Um, the referee stoppage seems to be almost like a technicality from which to divide them uh, versus Paharis holding it after a tap. You know, what is what is, what is really, really worse? Is it brain damage or, you know, the threat of a ligament tear? And for me, that argument doesn't work because um, finishing someone with strikes, I think you can lose yourself in it more. Um, it can happen much more quickly. It can happen th- with some dispute about whether that person was actually done, even if they're totally out. Um, they can go off in one shot. The next one can be already firing. And it's just harder to make that work um, where you can judge someone for punching someone who has gone out up to a point, you know, when they've obviously gone out and there's seven punches afterwards, that's a little bit less, you know, understandable. But, you, you know, we've seen many times where someone's hit an unconscious opponent just in the course of trying to finish them, referee pulls them off and no one says a word, nor should they. I, I just don't think you have that kind of luxury in jiu-jitsu when, Every submission takes two hands. A heel hook takes two hands. A choke takes, you know, there are some one-arm guillotines, but even then the other hand usually has to post on the mat or an arm bar. You can kind of, you know, if you're, you know, Jean-Jacques Machado, maybe you can finish it with the one hand, but um, it takes two hands. You know, all you have to do is just let go. Everything stops if you just let go. If, if Paul Harris removed the securing arm that he's grabbing his own wrist with, if he just was trying to force the wrist, it all goes away. Or if you let go of the wrist at all, it just stops. It just stops. It's, it's the, the amount of control you have over the situation to stop, start it, and pressure it is so much greater in jiu-jitsu, which means that you are so much more responsible for, for damage, right? If they don't tap, you're all free. But if they do tap um, and the referee is asking you to let go and you continue to push, you know, this is so entirely willful. So not necessary, nothing to do with being in the mind, nothing to do with the lack of cleanliness about when to stop. It's all so clear, a built-in system of surrender and a built-in system of surrender inside of a space where everything is very tightly controlled. You have so much more control to exercise of the situation. So for me, it's just so not forgivable, so not forgivable. What, what the punishment should be, you know, we can talk about later at some, some other point, but um, I just don't have any forgiveness at this point for him, nor nor much understanding for his you know his particular case. Um, okay, let's keep going because I want to get this going. So folks are asking, you know, Roy McDonald had the monster patch on his shorts, and so Henry Barrow had the TNT patch, and then there was the monster logo on Rousey's uniform as well as McGregor's. Um, I'm looking into it. I don't have an answer for you yet, except that you know the UFC has a deal with. Uh, monster and has a deal with TNT. Remember what they said. Remember what the whole part of this was. There was many components to the Reebok deal, one of which was if we can get a re- Reebok uniform, clean up the look despite the octagon being absolutely littered with ads. You literally cannot watch a fight without being bombarded with ads. I want you to think about that. But be that as it may, part of the thing was if you could do that, could you attract another sponsor? I like Real Madrid soccer team, yes? What do they have across their th- uh, their chest? Fly Emirates. This is a big-time sponsor. They don't sponsor just Real Madrid. They sponsor many teams, but you get the idea, right? Herbal Life, I think, for LA Galaxy, or just pick any team. You know what I'm talking about. Um, 
that's the idea here is trying to get another sponsor on there. Now, why it's just on these ones and not all of them, I don't know. I don't know what sort of deal that they have signed where only this happens. But remember this other component. Now, I don't know about Conor McGregor's case because he's also signed by Monster. I don't know what the deal is there or with Barrow or anybody else. But what they said was, when we get another sponsor, and let's say they get a big one, right? Let's say they get Verizon. They drop Metro PCS, they get Verizon, okay? Um, when they get Verizon the fighters don't get a cut of that. So the fighters will be wearing it on their kits and their uniforms and they won't get, they won't get, um, a, a penny, right? When new, when the new TV deal comes up in a few years, plus something changes between now and then they won't get a penny. Meanwhile, what, what's Carmelo Anthony going to get this next year? Like 28 mil, something like that because of the, uh, the jump up from the new TV deal. The new breed of fighter. Luke, the term new breed of fighter has been getting thrown around quite a long time, and I was never actually sure what it specifically meant. To my knowledge, the term describes a relatively young fighter with a superior skill set of innovative techniques, brilliant fight IQ, and sublime physical attributes that allow them to maintain dominance over their respective competition. Many who seem to fit the bill include John Jones, Wyman, Demetrius Johnson, Ronda Rousey, and perhaps TJ Dillashaw and Conor McGregor in the future. Uh, for years, Roy McDonald has been built as the new breed of the MMA community. It has been beaten twice by longtime veteran Robbie Lawler. Similarly, Rafael dos, uh, me, Rafael dos Santos, Fabricio Verdum, Mir Arlovsky, all recently dispatched their younger contemporaries in their respective fights. What is this take on the new breed of fighter concept? The new breed of fighter concept is one that doesn't matriculate from another art. It doesn't come from jujitsu to MMA. It doesn't come from wrestling to MMA. Um, which tells you a lot about the state of the game on the women's side where you can get a striker that comes over like in Jacek or a judoka that comes over like Rousey and they can enjoy a fair degree of dominance. Um, and that's still true for the men's side to, to some extent. Uh, it's just a little bit harder to come by. But uh, what it means is someone who starts training MMA at an early age, right? Where your, your passes are passes built for MMA, where your, um, where your wrestling is wrestling built for MMA, where your punching is punching built for MMA from MMA. But the fact of the matter is I, I, I think that look, obviously training is going to evolve. Obviously, um, you know, best practices are, are going to happen in a way where you're learning boxing from, you know, MMA coaches who understand boxing for MMA. Right. And that's slowly happening. But I also feel like this idea that that will mean we lack specialization goes away as well. I always think, and this is why I have such respect for Roy McDonald, you know, going out there and competing in Metamoris. Um, McGregor didn't end up doing it, but talking about competing in um, straight up jujitsu tournaments and whatnot. Or, um, you know, Ryan Hall, for example, went and competed in a wrestling tournament. And UFC fighters can't box or kickbox professionally, but. You know, point being is trying to get a specialized development in one skill, even while training for MMA generally, I still think is is, is going to be, you know, the best way to do it. If you want the best jiu-jitsu, probably even for MMA, it, yes, you need to train jiu-jitsu for MMA. You also need to train jiu-jitsu with the best jiu-jitsu guys. They're just going to have a different kind of pressure. They're going to have a different kind of sensibility about the position. They're going to have different tricks for the position. It's not an accident that Demi and Maya lacks in other skills. Sure. But when it comes to jiu-jitsu and MMA, yo, he is punishing, punishing. You are trapped under ice if he's on top of you. That mount looks like a normal mount. <laughs> that is anything but a normal mount. And, you know, would he have been that good if he had started as a kid 
training all around MMA? I don't know. I don't know. So to me, the new breed of fighter argument I think has a lot of merit, and I think the next generation of fighters who come up will have a lot of that, but I think the better ones will do that and then plus seek out as much specialization as possible. I really and truly believe that. Look, instead of having Aldo versus McGregor and Ronda versus Tate on the same card in December, would it not be better to put Aldo versus McGregor and then Dillashaw versus Cruz as the co-main and then put Ronda versus Tate and Ioana and Jacek versus Gedalia as the co-main on the November card? We need future stars, and the amount of eyes on that are on their cards is huge. And I really want to see Ronda's potential. How high pay-per-view numbers can she reach by herself? By herself? I don't know, man. Maybe even higher. Honestly, the biggest fight you can make in MMA right now has got to be what? It's got to be Ronda versus Cyborg, right? Got to be gotta be just because you like the amount of people outside of people who watch this chat who would want to see that is so high it's so which is sort of what got me to begin with um i could not tell my computer is so damaged hang on hang on one second Um, it's, it's gotta be that, right? So, but I think there's a lot of different ways to look at this. Like, what do you want to do if you're the UFC? I don't know what the right answer is. I, I mean, we all have our own theories and whatnot, but you know, what, what do you really want to do? Um, here's what I mean. Could you do what you're talking about where you have McGregor and Aldo as the main and then Dillashaw Cruz as co-main. And then what I talked about previously about whether or not you can get some of that Ronda Rossi spotlight and help out not just other MMA fighters generally, but maybe women specifically, right? Because if any, any of us believe that there's a fighter out there who deserves some attention, particularly as a champion, it's Paul Ian Jacek. I, I am not in any way saying what you're suggesting is wrong. Here's what I'm also saying. Occasionally, and this is what I've been talking about for years, and, the, and we just have to kind of acknowledge it. When it comes to making super fights, UFC has not been very good about it. They're good at many other things, man. They're good at putting on really big fights, and they're good at putting on – I mean, look at UFC 189. Yes, UFC 190 was – Terrible. But UFC 189 might have been the best UFC event ever. One of the best MMA events ever, if not the best MMA event ever. I mean, true, true, true greatness in, in stagecraft and, you know, show uh, presentation. Like, just, just beyond phenomenal, right? And, so, and such, a, such a flexing of muscles about strength of their roster and everything else. Like, it was phenomenal. It was totally phenomenal. Um, but... Um, I, I still feel like we're just missing out on these moments where they have a chance to double up their resources. You know what I mean? Like they did it with 189 a little bit, um, more than a little bit, a fair amount. But I still feel like there's these, these moments in time, man, where it's like, look, could you spread this out and do real well with it? Sure. Not denying it. But maybe just once. Just let's, let's, let's just have a card that is unforgettable. Let's have a moment that is unforgettable. Let's let's just do something big and huge and beyond crazy, even if you don't have to. In some ways, it might even make more economic sense not to. But as a return to the uh, as a as a to create big moment in sport, to return things to the customer, to um, you know to to just create a moment in time that is unforgettable. And what is the monetary value of that? I don't know. Maybe this is all flowery, 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 Jesus, flowery language about nothing, you know, but from my perspective, um, 
you just garner more goodwill. You make more noise, um, and you make better memories with your, you know, your customers and the and the sporting community generally. When you just say let's 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 just stack something. I mean, let's just make history as best we can, which is why UFC 100 I think is still a benchmark. You know, um, off the Ultimate Fighter Hendo versus Bisping, then George St Pierre defending his title against. Tiago Alves. And then on top of that, you had Brock Lesnar in the rematch with Frank Mir. Like, they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to do that at all. You know, but they chose to. They chose to do it, and I think in the end, it was the right call. It did mega buys, and maybe it could have done more if they spread it out, but it did mega buys. It bled over into UFC 101, which was also, you know, had two strong fights on it. Um, it bled over. And it just created an indelible memory. Right? There's some, I think there's something to be said for doing that. I really and truly believe that. I want to see. I want to see. I want to see big events, and I want to see. You know, we've never had a true in the modern era. We've never had a true MMA super fight. We just haven't. We've gotten you know close to some things. You know, Hendo versus Fedor, something like that. Um, I don't know. There are other examples. You can hear Barbas. He's here, but. Anyway, that's just my view on it, and I don't expect anyone to listen or agree. It's not about that. It's just about you know how do we how do we do something really really special, and why why do you want to do something special? You know, the idea of just this short term monetary gain. I think I understand it for the most part, but when you have something going on in the sport where like you know, I wonder if the sport works like this, where you have these punctuated moments where someone special transcends everybody else and the sport is super hot and then it gets cold for a while and then another star or two, whatever emerges and then it gets hot as long as they're there. And then when they depart or whatever happens, then it gets cold again. It gets hot and cold, hot and cold. I wonder if the sport works that way, you know, where you have a transcendent star and then there's this sort of middling period because everyone sort of wonders when a star goes, does he, he or she directly hand the torch over. I'm not sure that's the right frame of reference to talk about fight sports. I'm not sure that's actually a true thing. It may be in some cases, if you're lucky, I think De La Hoya was able to give some of that magic to both Mayweather and um, Pacquiao. So it worked out pretty well for them, but that it, it, Mayweather and Pacquiao have not bestowed that upon anyone else. Canelo, I guess a little bit, but um, you know, he's not nearly the same kind of attraction, not yet anyway. So, so, so for me, um, finding a way when you get two of them together at the same time to fight, uh, not each other, of course, but on, at the same moment um, would be just taking advantage of a rare moment in time. These, these moments where these guys and these ladies in this particular case have enjoyed this kind of level of success, man, when they go, I'm not convinced there's going to be an air for them. It may be another you know, period where fans just exit the sport again. They did after, Le again, I mentioned before, they did after Lesnar left. And we have to be prepared for that. Um, so when they're there, why not unite the forces and make you know the Voltron of, of MMA shows? Uh, UFC and Rousey's drawing power. I don't know if I've already answered this already. Uh, evidently, at the moment, the projected numbers for UFC 190 seem to blow all expectations, including UFC's out of the water. Um, do you still feel that Rousey as a draw is a class below Jones and McGregor? Not anymore. 
As a larger question, I'm somewhat baffled by the UFC 190 card. Aside from the women's fights, UFC 190 was quite dreadful, at least in my opinion, to the seeming surprise of no one, as it seemed more like a nostalgia card to begin with, as most fighters were in their past or past their prime and blah, 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 blah. Um, yet at the time, Rousey was already assumed to be a huge draw among the casual fans, who I assume are less likely to tune in for the next card than the hardcore fan if they don't enjoy the majority of the card. So why did the UFC saddle Rousey with such a card despite seemingly being aware of the increasing popularity among the casual fans instead of trying to support like they did with McGregor 189? It, there's a lot of complicating factors. Um, I think this even took them by surprise. To be, I, I really think no one was talking about this as a million pay-per-view buy event until afterward. Nobody. Nobody. Uh, I, just, I just didn't see it. Um, if I'm wrong, let me know, but... Uh, I th- again, didn't think it was going to be bad. Thought it was going to be a commercial success, but not like that. So I really and truly feel like somewhere after the Zingano fight, up to now, her popularity just... So what was it? Was it appearance on WrestleMania? I'm sure that helped. Um, you know, was it the Floyd stuff at the ESPYs? I'm sure that helped. Uh, was it starring in movies? I'm sure that helped. I don't know exactly. You can point to those things as like contributing factors, but I don't know exactly what it was. But between the Zingano fight and today, her popularity, see, I won't say out of nowhere because it happened in front of you, but we just never, no one put it together about what it meant for, you know, when Mike Wilbon, who has blasted MMA from pillar to post, is out there saying, you know, I don't even watch MMA, but I bought the Rousey fight. You know, this is something, uh, uh, you know, more than just unique. This is a isolated moment in time that I am not sure is replicable. I really am not. Um, Rousey is just so completely different um, and only getting only getting bigger. You know. Anyway, biggest thing you're going to get, by the way, is uh, to, uh, MMA's me with the Pacquiao is, is Rousey Cyborg. I'm quite confident of that. But um, but look. This is what I'm talking about. Like, you can put Rousey on a card with seven fights, most of which were just, I mean, those two tough fights were like, oh, my God, literally a chore to watch. Literally. Like, utterly, unequivocally painful. Bad. Bad. Um, the Shogun Noguera fight was, I thought, competitive. You know, I'm not going to talk badly about Big Nog because he's such a legend, but certainly we all know he doesn't need to be competing. The Gedalia fight... Aguilar fight was good, but you know the car was not great. But the thing is, when Rousey's at the top of the card, and you have this kind of phenomenon backing you, you know, and she had that uh, do nothing bitch speech she was making, and everything just kind of steamrolled from that Thursday on. Uh, I mean, they had built the card way in advance, but I think the point was they had figured, look, we can put Rousey at the top of this. Um, we can give back to Brazil and the Brazilian market in a way we hadn't in a while. You know, after the shows in in you know, Uberlandia and Barueri or whatever that did poorly. This is a way to bring back the market. Putting those two tough sh- uh, fights was good for Globo. Long story short, with Rossi at the top, if if you want to, you can put a bunch of nonsense before it and people will still kind of stick around for it, at least for now. Um, but this is what I'm talking about. If you want to do that kind of stuff as a promoter, I get it. So well. That's why they have an incentive to do it because people are just going to suck it up and, and wait for the main event. But I think, I think what I'm more concerned about is, um, 
you can do that stuff as a promoter, but you also can do things where you can give back to the consumer in a way where you said, look, you know, that card may have been dreadful. A lot of you bought it, but that card may have been dreadful. Let's make one that's not. Now, of course, 189 was phenomenal. We've already had one very recently. I'm just saying going forward, they can get away with it. Um, but I would like to see them, even when they know they can get away with it, make efforts to not get away with it. With Robbie Lawler versus Carlos Khan, that expected to headline UFC 193 in Melbourne. Could you break down the fight and who you are taking? Uh, I'll, I'll put that in the queue because it's just way too early. Connor and Ronda. Luke, what gives Connor and Ronda the X factor? You spelled Ronda wrong. Uh, so I cannot answer your question. Ronda does not have an H. If you write a question spelling Ronda with an H, you don't get an answer. Women's MMA fights. You uh, want any JJ versus Gadelia? Already talked about that one. Jessica versus Pena talked about that one. UFC 190 pacing. What was Zufa thinking having horrifically bad tough fights? They owed it to Globo, I believe, is, what, is the cause there. Uh, it's not Someone spelled it global. It's Globo. Yes, there you go. Someone corrected them as well. Um, they owed it to Globo. But, God, I hope they never do that again. And remember, those two fights were supposed to be in that. I think it was the um, – who's the uh, Soldado? Um, Yoel Romero versus Leo Machida card, and they had the visa issue. So they said, you know what, just put it on there. Um, but, uh, yeah, God, Jesus, I hope that never happens again. I just wanted – I wanted Pajares to eye gouge me at that moment in time. I really did. And this is what I'm talking about too. How many times have you guys been on here? And I've told you there is, I mean, I don't care about the portion of the MMA game that someone can replicate alongside UFC. What I care about, and you know, if you don't, okay, fine. But you know, what I care about is the portion of the UFC game that no one can replicate because it's so different. (laughs) It's just not even the same sport. It's like watching high school basketball that's, you know, competitive, fun. And then it's like going and watching, you know, Kevin Durant. It's just not, it's just not even close. And they can wear all the Reebok and UFC gear they want. It doesn't make them at that level. It doesn't. MMA fighters at the highest level are mentally tougher. They are skilled in ways beyond compare. Uh, they have, you know, unmatched experience and a desire to compete and win and, and, and an ability to answer the call for violence in ways that the people who are sub-level, even very, very talented fighters and athletes, don't. Don't. It's, it's like this. It's, it's, it's the high mountain cliff, and then it drops off a cliff. And there's the rest of MMA, as far as I'm concerned. And I wish other fans thought like that because it would put more pressure on UFC to deliver that kind of product in a more pronounced way. But you know, if you donks want to don't don't you know don't want to put any pressure on them, then they won't respond. Uh, I'm going to wreck this question because I kind of want to talk about it. Uh, Luke, last week you vented on why Rousey should fight Cyborg next. While I would like to see the fight in question, there are two aspects. In that event, and other symbols I've heard that I was puzzled over. Okay. And you got to stress these are questions not meant as accusatory or critical. Cool. No worries. No worries. Uh, do you really feel that UFC or Rousey don't, uh, don't have any justified reasons for pushing the fight to happen at 135? Especially since Cyborg won and anything can happen in a fight. There's literally nothing they can do while uh, with her while their arguably biggest draw is suddenly a champion who lost that last fight. Okay. Um, and then you ask, second, why is Cyborg's role in this seemingly always ignored in the argument? She hasn't proven that she can even make the cut to 140 
And up to this point, her claims to make the cut have always seemed to be lip service with no evidence of any true attempts to do it. Yet, when I see this discussed in the media, including here, there is almost no pressure or frustration towards her in this matter. On the contrary, it almost seems that most arguments are that Rousey needs to accommodate Cyborg, which leads me to the question of what would happen if Cyborg announced she can't make 140. Uh, again, these are not Men's Story questions. I'm sorry if they came across as such. They do not. They were good questions. Okay, so let's talk about Cyborg versus Rousey. I am of the belief. Let me just state my belief on this uh, real quickly. Hang on. Okay, here's my belief on this. There is one, one argument for why that fight should not happen, and it's a very strong argument, very strong. Frankly, um, there's, no, there's no response to it. If Rousey feels that she doesn't even want to, she does not have to. And if Rousey feels like she doesn't have to, like I don't owe Cyborg anything, I don't have to leave my division, whatever the reasoning is, she doesn't have to. That is the beginning, and that is the end of the argument. That's it. Everything else that's brought up is just talking points that you've been fooled into believing. Period. They're not actually obstacles. None of them are actually obstacles to making a fight. Just like GSP never really wanted to go up and wait and fight Anderson Silva, and Silva was, you know, uh, agreeing to cut down if he had to. But, so, you know, GSP never wanted to. If you can't make GSP, and it's not necessary for his legacy, and frankly, I also don't think that fighting Cyborg is necessary for Rousey's legacy. I think it'd be a travesty if they don't fight, but I'm not going to sit here and say that Rousey has to fight Cyborg for her legacy. No, she doesn't. She doesn't at all. Not nonsense. But the only argument you cannot argue against is that Rousey has to do it or that you know she should do it? Well, I guess you could make the argument that she should, but only in a sort of suggestive way. Not should as in if she doesn't, there is a sort of like career ultimatum about her that we have to acknowledge. No, I don't think that's true either. But all this other stuff you hear that, 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 that other fans and many Rousey fans just seem to buy into it is just not real reasons. They're not real reasons obstacles to making a fight happen just not true look there are so many ways to talk about this okay uh, and again if all you want to say is what does rossi owe to cyborg the answer is nothing end of argument you win end of argument but if you want to make the argument about weight you will lose like that it's just not a real obstacle so look how many ways you can you slice this? Number one, she used to fight at 145. Number two, when champions dominate, they typically go up in weight, not down. Number three, I think it was on old MMA Hour interviews where Rousey says she was going to take Tate's belt and then go up and take Cyborgs and Strikeforce. All, all, all kinds of statements she had made previously. She would go up to fight Gina Carano at whatever weight was accommodating to her, but she can't do it for Cyborg. I get there are differences given the, the, the PED factor is involved there. Um, name another fighter in all of MMA who has this much pressure on weight to go down. Everyone we pressure, for the most part, we pressure to go up in weight because going down is so unhealthy. And yet when it comes to Cyborg, she might be the only fighter as a community that we put pressure on to actually drop weight. Number three, I don't buy at all that you can get Cyborg to 135 without a dangerous cut or um, her removing some of her ability to compete at a high level. So you can get her to that 135 number, but then what are you doing? 
about it. And I made this other argument that, you know, everyone's like, well, what are you going to do with Cyborg if she wins? Okay, let's talk about this for a second. Some people are saying, you know, Rousey only has a responsibility to compete at 135, which is true. I mean, that again, if she doesn't want to leave the weight class, end of argument. But I mentioned that Matt Hughes, while sitting champion, sat out and fought Hoist Gracie at a 175-pound catchweight. And everyone's like, this is a terrible comparison. You can't compare Hoist Gracie to Cyborg. Yes, I can, because it's the perfect comparison. Because what you are saying when you say that comparison doesn't work is, Champions only have a responsibility to compete in their weight class, that the weight class is the sanctified territory, uh, which in some cases, you know, I mentioned if she doesn't want to leave, she doesn't have to. But when you're saying, well, you know, look, one thing is Hoist Gracie and one thing is Cyborg Santos, that's just your insecurity about Rousey's chances. Your insecurity about Rousey's chances. I actually like Rousey's chances against Cyborg, frankly. But when you say something like, well, you can't compare Cyborg to, to Hoist Gracie, yes, you can. The argument is that champions can only fight in their in, in the territory in which they have a belt. They can't go up and wait. Well, we've already seen that they can. Oh, well, you can't compare Hoist Gracie to Cyborg. Yes, you can. We have a demonstrated historical precedent that the sanctified territory of a weight class can be left. What you're saying is the difference between Cyborg and Hoist Gracie is your insecurity about Rousey's chances. There's no other fact or other reason, yes or no. Can a champion, while holding a belt, fight at a catchweight above that belt in the UFC? Is there historical precedence for? There is one answer to that, and it is yes. And when you say, well, Hoist Gracie was a much more manageable task for Matt Hughes, that's just, that's just your impression of it. All the odds, odds are just guesses. There's not actually, and that's not a real reason. That's not a fact. That's not a, that's not, it's not a, a, a statement of evidence you can point to other than you as a Rousey fan are insecure about her chances against Cyborg. Not a real reason. Not a real reason. <laughs> Sorry. The real reason is if she doesn't want to or doesn't feel like she has to, she doesn't have to. That's it. That's it. That is the one true argument that has no response. And if that's all she wants to say, end of argument. That's all you want to say, end of argument. That's all UFC wants to say, end of argument. But if you want to make this about a phony, non-existent debate about weight, you are wasting your time. This fight can be easily made at 140. It would This idea that it would ruin Rousey if she lost, I think is total nonsense. The idea, what are you going to do about Cyborg if she wins? Gee, you mean a few more cashweight fights at 140 with plenty of other takers who want to fight her or temporarily just give her 145 fights, 145 fights in the UFC without creating a division like anyone would care. If Cyborg beat Rousey, they would just want to see Cyborg too. Like you said, you have to like then change your business plans. What were you supposed to do with Hoist one? Remember this is MMA. What if on a, what if he had shot on a takedown and, and Hughes tore his ACL, tried to fight through it and got submitted. Like, these are just not real arguments. They're not real arguments and real obstacles. There is one argument. She doesn't have to if she doesn't want to. Or doesn't want to, doesn't have to, whatever. Her, her prerogative. Okay, end of argument. That's it. Everything else is not a real reason. Nothing, nothing else. I especially think that, you know, look, there's just a lot of different ways to go about that. But that's it. That's it. This idea about what are we going to do if Cyborg wins? I don't know. Lots of awesome stuff. You just upped her box office drawing power. You can't find a way to use her? Give me a break. 
This is so not true. Would it be outside the normal things in which you conduct business? Sure. Okay. You'd have to accommodate her in ways that would be unusual. There are plenty of very smart people who work at the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Lots of Harvard MBAs over there. They'll figure it out. I am quite confident. I am quite confident. And like I said before, I like Rousey's chances. If your whole bit about her going up and what would it mean if she lost, you are not in the fight business anymore. You are in the image protection business. And I frankly, if you look at the history of the UFC, they've never really been in the in the image protection business. They make champions fight tough challengers over and over and over and over again. And Rousey is too big and too 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 much of a freight train at this point for even one loss to derail her. And like I said before, if you all think that Rousey is going to go in there and get smoked because Cyborg is bigger, you're just not thinking clearly. I like Rousey's chances to win a lot, a lot. Rousey can do a lot to her. She could lose two, and then you could make a rematch and have a best of three or whatever. If Tate gets three fights against Rousey, Rousey can get three fights against Cyborg. And I like Cy- I like Rousey's chances to at least win one out of three against Cyborg. There are so many possibilities. And you say, why would you want to do that about this kind of fight? Well, because you are talking not just about Mayweather-Pacquiao for MMA or its version of it. You're talking about maybe the biggest fight you can make in MMA history. And you want to say, we can't do that because of five pounds, because you don't want to go to a catchweight for a woman who walks around close to 180 pounds. And oh, here's the other argument. Get her off steroids. You mean this? You mean all this USADA testing? First of all, she's been clean for three years. You mean all this USADA testing? Can't catch Cyborg, who apparently, in your judgment, random MMA fan, is out there just, just injecting steroids over and over again? She's been clean for three years. If she can, uh, I'm not saying it's okay, but if she can continue to test clean and you can make a catchweight fight, I don't understand this insane pressure for her to go down and either compromise her health or compromise her ability to compete um, at a premium level. The whole point is to see premium Rousey versus premium Cyborg. Making a catchweight fight is, I'm sorry, it's just not a reason not to do it. It's not. There is one reason not to do it, which is that Rousey's under no obligation to do so. That is it. And if she doesn't want to, doesn't have to. End of argument. Beginning of argument, end of argument. BJ Penn got rightly pressured to drop weight classes. Oh, by the way, started out as a lightweight, went up to welterweight, okay? Number two, after he went up and fought at welterweight and lost and came back down, you know what happened to his pay-per-view buys? Whoop! Through the roof. Through the roof. This idea that if Rousey lost to Cyborg, the interest in Rousey would go away overnight is total fantasy. It is your insecurity about her chances. It is an insecurity I do not share. I like her chances against Cyborg. I really and truly do. So, wow, the Holy Gracious is that the same thing for Matt Hughes as Cyborg is to Rousey in your mind. You can't actually prove that. I can prove that, that when a UFC champion held a belt, he fought outside of his weight class at that time in a catchweight bout. I can prove that. Your projection of insecurity is not actually a reason yeah you see the poster for ufc 191 johnson versus dotson i like the fight really arlovsky versus mir kind of like that fight johnson versus manoa i mean it's a fun whatever and then van zandt versus chambers i like van zandt's chances very much there 
Mayweather versus Berto. I saw your news post about Mayweather versus Berto being official for September 12th. I know Berto was being groomed as the next big guy to fight Floyd until he ran into Victor Ortiz. I haven't paid attention to Berto much over the last few years. Anything that might surprise us about this fight or is anything Floyd, you you know, look, was he a 4,000? I think, uh, I think Floyd is like a minus 4,000 favorite, something like that. Um, Berto got this fight by beating Jose Cito Lopez on spike. I think it was, I, I think it was the first spike event. Look, Berto's a bit of an action fighter. I'll give him that. Floyd's not, you know. Y'all, y'all know how this is going to go, man. You, you guys all know how this is going to go. It's just going to be that way. Um, could a non-cheating, under-control Pajares beat GSP in his prime? Pajares on the right fight could beat anyone in that weight class. Not saying he would, but, like, you know, on his best day, he can give anyone problems, for sure. For sure. All respect to Esther Lynn, but is this the best photo in MMA right now? And it's Habib Nurmagomedov and some of his uh, boys at the, uh, I think it's, what were they at? The Hard Rock or Planet Hollywood? And then there's Nate Diaz in the back <laughs> with a shirt on that says original. It's amazing. Uh, Ronda Rousey powers Fox Sports 1 to two new records. With Connor and Ronda generating huge interest, even to the mainstream worlds. Are we on the cusp of a new gold rush for the UFC? By this time next year, do you believe the UFC 100 records are likely to be smashed easily? Um, smashed? I don't know. Easily, I definitely don't know. But Rousey's going to do big things. Like, she doesn't need... I don't think Rousey needs to have, like, the best... I mean, look, Cyborg notwithstanding. She doesn't need to have, um, you know, the biggest names in the world because they're not really there in her division. But if she can fight some colorful characters, you know, I think that might work. Also, you know, I was saying before, oh, there's only one name she can fight. We all know who it is. You know what? Juliana Pena might give Rousey a bit of a run. I, I would favor Rousey to win. I'm not saying otherwise. But Pena is a scrapper, man. Um, you know, good ground skills and um, – can take a shot and doesn't mind getting roughed up and, and, and can work out of bad spots. So again, I'm not saying she would beat Rousey. I favor Rousey's chances rather significantly, but um, you know, Pena might be able to make it a big, make it, make it, make it a bit more of a fight um, than the normal, you know, 135er. Let's keep going. Diaz versus Habib. Should the UFC book Nate Diaz versus Nurmagomedov to fight ASAP? I'm not saying that they should, but it would be a hit if they did. Um, someone says they were an eyewitness to a brawl. Oh, to the brawl. So the, I can't verify this, but this is what someone says. I was an eyewitness to the brawl, and it was nuts. The videos don't do it any justice. Nate got the better of Habib. I saw him stuff takedowns and drop him with a left hook. No, you didn't. Okay, I'm going to stop reading this. Let's see. What's your take on Fabricio Verdun versus Cain Velasquez 2, targeted for early 2016? Do y'all not remember me? Remember on this very chat, I said there was a strong possibility that Cain might get a rematch? Y'all remember that? The real chat watchers, I'm sure remember that. Uh, not in any way surprising. They're going to put Cain at sea level, and they're going to give him a shot. And I have to tell you, I talked to many pro fighters um, in person when I was at the um, Kimbo versus Shamrock fight. There's obviously, you know, there's always a bunch floating around, guys cornering guys and blah, 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 blah. And I talked to a bunch, and they're all like, I like Verdum's chances to do it again at sea level. So 
Um, but we'll see. They just can't give up on Kane. He's so important for them. He's so big for them. He can do so many things for them that it would be a shame to, you know, and I, and I clearly that, I mean, you know, look, fighting them off, like how many, almost was the layoff? Like almost two years and then fighting with that, that high altitude. It's just way too much. These guys need tune-up fights and they don't get them. I, I, I understand why, but um, to do that, coming back against a ready and like active Reese over doom is just a nightmare task. So um, I like it. All. Actually, I kind of like the fight, you know, y'all going to complain about it. it should be someone else and you can make a strong case. I wouldn't argue too much, but I don't know. It doesn't bother me. I am actually looking forward to it. Thoughts on John Cavanaugh and SBG to link up with the likes of Nurmagomedov to form a new MMA team. Yeah, it's weird. It's not clear exactly who's going to be involved. Some of the articles I've read, um, it doesn't involve McGregor. It just involves Cavanaugh coaching up Nurmagomedov and some other people. But we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. I mean, if Nurmagomedov hooked up with McGregor, you know, like I said, you have you, you always want to be careful, like, just because two people train together doesn't mean that they're going to absorb each other's skills, but it could also be, you know, hugely valuable at the same time. Ronda Rousey is the first woman to get over a million pay-per-view buys for a single fight. She's the first woman to get over like 200,000 for a single fight. She already broke records. This is like a totally different ball game. We're, t- we're talking about a different route. Uh, when it comes to being a promotional force in fight sports rousey has no peer rousey has no peer now i talked about in combative athletics i don't want to do a disservice to badass women who don't compete in non-spectator sports that's a different argument but promotionally getting people in spectator sports to cough up dollars rousey is historically peerless peerless she stands alone at the top and number two ain't even close And honestly, you know what's funny about this? And I, I was crazy. I had a bunch of casuals being like, before the fight, coming up to being like, you know what, man? What if, who's Rossi going to fight next? And I was thinking, you know, might be Holly Holm. Who knows where cyborg discussions could go? I was like, I don't really know, you know? And they were like, you know who I want to see her fight again? I want to see her fight Misha Tate. And I'm thinking to myself, what? Like, <laughs> y'all know how this movie's going to end. And, um, it didn't even occur to me. And then, you know, of course, I knew Jessica, I was fighting Misha, and I was like, well, I guess they might be setting up some possibilities. You know, you never know. And then she came out there, and she bodied Jessica, I, and they gave her the fight. And I was just thinking, you know, I guess, I guess so. You know, whatever. No, no. I mean, I didn't think much of it. I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was good. I was like, okay. There seems to be some casual interest. And then I went to the gym last night, and everyone was like, dude, you know, I like Misha's chances against Ronda this next time. And I'm thinking, wow, casual fans – they're, they really like that pairing. They really like that pairing. That fight could definitely, if it, if it takes place, let's say, in Las Vegas, you know, and they do a bunch of, and they're, you know they're going to do a bunch of um, promos for it and media tours for it and the whole, dude, that can sell big business, man. That can do big business. You know what's funny? I talked about before, Misha Tate has over a million likes on Facebook. Like, McGregor just got a million likes on Facebook. So... Think about that for a second. Let's go to Twitter for just a moment if we can. Y'all want to see Barbus? Birthday Barbus? Barbus, come here. Come here, buddy. Come here, buddy. There he is. 
Twinsies. There's birthday Barbas. <laughs> Say hi, buddy. Is he not the blackest dog you've ever seen? The dude just like, he's hard to take pictures of. You have to get him with natural light because he's so black. Can I have a kiss? Can I get a birthday kiss? Yeah. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right. Twitter machine. Why does the UFC want to push King when his numbers are pedestrian at best? Because they're not pedestrian. They're actually pretty good. And it's about what he can do in Latin America, which is uh, fairly critical. Let's see. How much of UFC 190 success is thanks to Betch's trash talk? Fair bit. Two, two things that people were mentioning to me as casuals that I hadn't picked up on that I think in the end actually had a pretty big effect. Um, Betch's trash talk and then this perception that she was undefeated. I mean, she was undefeated heading into the fight, but um, you get the idea, right? That the people were like, you know what, man? Like, looks like she can punch. She's undefeated. This is what casuals... Casuals, man, you can sell them because you got Rousey, who they're already interested in. Everyone knows from the casuals to the hardcore that Ronda Rousey can fight her ass off, okay? Then all you got to do is you give them someone else. You say, here's an undefeated Brazilian who talks a big game, you know, all the four horsemen stuff, made the comments about the suicide, and you can show a couple highlight reels of her punching on Shayna Baszler, you know, or Julie Kezzi or whatever, and then you can sell it as, like, there's this dominating force that, she, that Rousey has to a- answer to. When in reality, you're like, uh, <laughs> you know, if you watched any tape on Betchikahaya, you were like, man, these are just two different kind of athletes. Uh, you know, a, you know, one that works hard and then an elite one. Uh, okay. Barbers gets a five out of five. Someone says Rousey versus Cyborg at 145 is the BJ Penn thing to do. Rousey versus Cyborg at 135 is the GSP thing to do. I appreciate both angles. Okay. Do you anticipate any changes in women's MMA after Ronda retires? Steep decrease in popularity, for example. It won't just affect the women's side. It will affect the men's side. Uh, Not counting Rousey Cyborg, what is your super fight to make? John Jones versus somebody. I'm not sure who yet. How many MMA fans remember the era when Arlovsky versus Mir should have happened? I remember that. Uh, they brought him out to the cage, and then they brought out, and then Dana White was, Dana White used to make announcements in the octagon, like to the arena. He used to do that. And then he goes, I'll never forget it. He goes, check out this new welterweight I just signed. That's exactly what he said. Um, and BJ Penn, you know, he had gone off, he had, had the contract dispute, and then he'd come back to UFC. And he had just a giant shirt on that said, just scrap. BJ Penn is the king of my life. What a, what a hero that man is. Uh, are you going to... So my wife got me an Xbox One for my birthday. I've never had a gaming console since, like, you know, a Nintendo when I was a kid. I've just not played video games. So she, I've been kind of thinking about it. So she got me an Xbox One today. Like, I opened it, like, an hour ago. Um Someone's asking, are you going to give out your gamer tag when you make one accepting FIFA invites? Yes. Yes, I will. So I'll play all of you with Real Madrid and stomp you into the ground with Gareth Bale as a true number 10, Hamas on the right, <laughs> Isco on the left. All right. Uh, 
True or false? Mayweather Berto is a tune-up fight to tie Marciano's record and increase one more about you know to have then the fifteen oh one. Yeah, I think so. Uh, oh, Gibbler Award goes to Clay Travis. You all see Clay Travis at Fox Sports? Like, how do these people have no shame? How do these people have no shame? I don't understand it. This guy goes out. Clay Travis writes this article where he says Rousey and Mayweather need to fight. Okay, so first of all. Jeremy Botter gets on Twitter and goes, just please stop writing about MMA. And then Kevin Ioli was like, oh, my God. Like, he read it and couldn't believe it. Same reaction that all of us would have had. And then uh, Clay Travis calls Kevin Ioli an MMA hipster, which was hilarious, by the way. Because, you know, it's just so funny. Uh, And then I, I wrote Clay Travis, and I go, dude, do you realize that you wrote an article about a fight that is literally illegal to make? Like, if the UFC or any promoter tried to put on Rousey versus Mayweather, which, first of all, would, it's just so impossible on so many terms, but just this one term in an MMA fight, you would go to jail. <laughs> you would be arrested and go to jail. Okay? So there's that. So I wrote him this in all caps. I was like, it's illegal. Clay Travis, ever the genius, responds, okay. Is it illegal everywhere? Take it where it's not legal, you know, or take it where it is legal, and uh, it would do big business. Okay, genius. All right. First of all, it's just so stupid on so many levels, but not least of which is, so your response to it being illegal here is to flee U.S. jurisdiction and risk losing your promoter's license in the biggest market that you have to make one fight that would otherwise be a big money gain, then potentially ruin your business. Like, there's just so many dumb... The layers of dumb is like an onion. It's like, wow, that layer's dumb. Whoop, here's another layer of stupidity. Wow, we are just... I, I mean, this is the moron level. Oh, found the idiot level. Oh, here is the Nimrod level. This is the level where you soil yourself because you don't have control of your bodily functions anymore. Like, this is... And this dude gets paid... You know, he has like 100,000 followers on Twitter. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. How, like, either you don't know you're dumb... Or you know you're dumb and you just lost hope for your life, and you're saying, "I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna just slam my fingers on the keyboard and just put that out, and and you know everyone's gonna call me an idiot, and people are just gonna say horrible things about me, but I'm gonna get a big fat check." You know what a sad, sad existence. Uh, let's see. Do you think Uriah Faber is getting more attention than he deserves? I think he's getting as much as is merited. Here's someone, again, not understanding how... So it says, put a pure wrestler in a cage versus an MMA fighter. MMA fighter wins 90% of the time. MMA fighter does, does a lot of damage to wrestler. Okay, put a... MMA fighter in a wrestling mat and watch him get stomped like grapes at a vineyard. Also, not the point. Also, Jordan Burroughs winning a gold medal is harder than virtually any fight imaginable in MMA. Y'all don't have to like it. You don't have to accept it. Doesn't make it not a fact. To win one medal once every four years by beating some, by, by competing in a sport where the participatory rate globally smashes, smashes MMA. A enormous 
participatory rate backed by state governments, right? To go out and beat those people once every four years is so much more difficult, so much more difficult than beating Anthony Johnson. All due respect to Anthony Johnson, who is a hell of a competitor, not the same. And you can ask anybody who's competed at the Olympics and ask them what they say. Because you look around, Rousey got a bronze medal, which is hell of, very impressive, super duper impressive. But she goes out here and she beats these other women in 30 seconds. Ask her which one was harder, winning the Olympics or UFC title. Ask her. Ask her. Now, at some point, winning one of those title matches, you know, Jones-Cormier, that's up there. Okay, fine. But winning one event once every four years where everyone in the world competes at it, some with the backing of state sponsorship to get the best training, the best coaches, and the best tra- facilities and everything else, and they've got the best practices over the last 100 years, if not more, good luck winning that tournament. Oh, and then to do it three times and to get the gold, and then nine times at the World Championships, sorry, y'all, it's harder. Ronda versus Joanna disregarding weight class. Uh, I suspect, well, I mean, you can't disregard weight class. Someone says, from a retired Navy chief, proud of what you're doing. Keep up the good work. Semper Fi. Semper Fi back to you, sir. Appreciate that. Or um, if you are enlisted, Semper Fi anyway. Any updates for 193? Nothing I'm aware of. Best striker at middleweight right now. Might be Luke Rockhold, man. Will Ronda stay undefeated at bantamweight? I think I think so, yeah. Again, Juliana Pena might, you know, she might do some things. Um, we'll see. All right, let's go back to the top. Someone says, please discuss Steve Mazzagatti's ineptitude before this chat is over. Yeah, geez. Ah, Christ almighty. Um, What the hell is this? God, some people just don't understand arguments. I like how I make an argument, and then someone makes an argument back that isn't about what I'm arguing, like a separate kind of semi-related argument. All right, so back to Steve Mazzagatti. Yeah, so like all I saw at first, because I was covering 190, all I saw at first was the um, the finish. And the finish, I didn't love his positioning, but frankly, I didn't hate it either. Like Mazzagatti was on him pretty quickly. Not great. I mean, I'm not going to say it was great, but it wasn't. In and of itself, that was not enough for me to be like, oh, Mazzagatti did a terrible thing. Um, but the eye gouging, Jesus, man. What? Uh, 
you know, when you talk about the 10, nine system being better because you give out more 10, eights and whatnot, you know, um, you like the two to me are related, the 10, eights and the handing out more punishments. They have to happen at the same time because what's keeping Mazzagatti from handing out punishments and taking a point is partly his own inability to just come to terms with the fact that he's got a cheater on his hands. Okay, fine. But it's also, you just can't deny its influence with the 10-9 system. The 10-9 system is, it disincentivizes referees from t- making calls they would otherwise make. I mean, just think about a basketball game, right? How many times a referee blows a whistle? I understand it's not a fight and, and, and things have massive consequences. It's one fight that can make or break a career or, or a year or I get it. So you have to be very, you're going to be reluctant generally. Like the nature of fighting makes referee interference reluctant. But that 10-9 system really adds just another layer on top. If there was a way to do it, that would have an impact, but not this sort of disproportionate impact where you know you could end up having a tie with just losing one point, depending on how the rest of the fight goes, um, or you know the change in the way you fight as a consequence. Like all these things can matter. So like I understand the reluctance, but Jesus, man, four different warnings for eye pokes, and you didn't do it. You gave him two warnings. You don't take a point on the third, or, the, or you don't take a point on the fourth. Like I just don't get it. I just don't get it. You know, it's just not. Again, I'm not saying it's unforgivable, but it's not something you can overlook. It's just not this time. I, I'm not. To me, I think some of the pressure on him about the nature of his positioning once Jake was tapping was is a little bit overstated. But the not taking the points for the eye pokes, I have a very very hard time uh, understanding understanding what he's thinking about denying Jake Shields that justice, that fairness. Um. We'll see what Nevada's going to do about it. But it's there's not an argument where you can be like, yes, he handled this in the most appropriate manner imaginable. doesn't exist. Uh, all right. Let's see. Oh, well, here we go. Let's see. This is the guy who doesn't understand anything. Someone says, I think Ronda would beat Cyborg at 135, 140, 145. Okay. And the fact that a former champ was seen fighting at a catchweight gives no moral compass to how we should feel about the Cyborg-Rousey matchup. I'm not asking you how you feel. Your feelings about it are are not... My feelings about it are not what matters. Your feelings about it are not what matters. That's precisely my point. That is exactly my point. The only thing that matters is you're trying to argue, here are a set of facts. Well, let me give you a set of facts. There is no reason for a champion to leave a weight class in MMA if they don't want to. There is historical precedence for that. There is historical precedence for a sitting champion to fight outside of their weight class for a catchweight, for a fighter coming in out of nowhere, basically, risking a whole lot. There is, there is literal precedence for that. Arguing that the situation is materially different with Cyborg than it is with Hoist Gracie is simply your projection of insecurity about Rousey's chances, which is not a reason. That is not a reason. That is not a statement of fact. It's not a statement of fact. So if she doesn't want to do it, end of argument. If if she feels like I'm going to stay at bantamweight because that's what champions do in the UFC and I can point to all kinds of guys who've done it, end of argument. I have, I have nothing to say to that. If the argument is that it has to happen at 135 for X, Y, and Z reasons, the entire argument falls apart. Your projection of the chances and your projection of what the, thre- the threat of Cyborg is is irrelevant, strong or weak. 
my projection of it is stronger. Whether I think it's good or bad is, is irrelevant. What's what's relevant is there is historical precedence for this pace. If you're trying to deny it that because you don't like your chances, or maybe you do, or because however you feel about it is somehow relevant, it is not relevant. I am talking about fact. There is fact. Champions can fight outside of their weight class at catchweight bouts when the moment arises. Fact. Fact, 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 fact. Not up for debate. Not up for debate. Just not. All right. With that, we have to get out of here. So let me say the following. Uh, thank you for watching. Today has been my birthday. Still is my birthday. So I, everyone's been sending over very nice messages. I really appreciate it. You sent a happy birthday. Thank you very much. If you didn't, it's cool. I appreciate you watching. If you didn't watch, you know, whatever. Um, follow me on Twitter at SBN Luke Thomas. I'm going to try and get this podcast up as soon as possible. Uh, so thank you very much. When I get my Xbox One stuff set up and I get everything going, I'll let, I'll let you guys know. Give me some time to get acclimated. But, you know, I will eventually stomp on you with my Real Madrid team. It's okay. Um, that's about it. Email me at luke.thomas at SBNation.com. I'm still answering emails and responding. If I haven't got to you yet, just please, please be patient. And until next time, stay frosty. <laughs>